podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Gentlemen, viewers and listeners, my name is Kevin Graham and welcome to your Wednesday bulletin. The bulletin that has been told not to roll over, get in people's faces and bite some ankles. I'm joined by Colin and Brian and we're going to have a look at what's going on on in the wonderful, magical world of Celtic and preview our game against the Marine Minis. Brian, how are you? I'm incredible, mate. Um, How are you? Okay. Aye, doing fine, doing fine, doing away. Looking forward to tonight's game. Uh, I always look forward to games at Tynecastle. Uh, so aye, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to getting involved with all the people in the comments as well. Because uh, we've got, I think we've, we've got quite a few online already and some decent, decent uh, comments. Colin, how are you? Aye, we're on the the roll down to the weekend and um, start it well with three points tonight. Hopefully. Um, just before we do get started, Kev, I just want to bring this up because I nearly get caught out with this and I'm sure there'll be some people who probably weren't aware of this as well because I don't think it's been very well advertised. For the Bodo Glimt game in the UEFA Conference League, if you're a season ticket holder and you want to secure your ticket for your own seat for that game, the deadline is at 2 o'clock this afternoon. So it's two o'clock this afternoon if you want to secure your ticket. If you're not on the Home Cup ticket scheme and you want to get your ticket for the Bodo Glimp game, it is two o'clock this afternoon. I nearly missed out on that because I only just seen the email from about a week ago. I don't think they've been too good at sending a, a week reminder out on that one. So uh, in case anybody misses it, two o'clock, just after this bulletin, that's all you've got to secure your ticket. Well, listen to the bulletin first, watch the bulletin first and go and get your ticket for Bodo Glint. You didn't need to do it now. There's no way whatsoever <laughs> that Celtic server's going to catch with, thousands of, folk, with thousands of folk trying to get online to get a ticket for Bobo Glint. Right, I think we need to start with Wim Janssen, eh? I think mm. we'll have to have a wee, a wee start with Ian, Wim Janssen. Uh, the Celtic family yesterday received the devastating news that championship winning manager Wim Janssen had passed away. Uh, Wim won Celtic's first title in nine years. He gave me and us a memorable League Cup win at Ibrox 3-0 against Dundee night. What a magic day. I remember the, the role we, uh, at, the, at the final whistle on that as well. Brilliant. And What's kind of forgotten about that season is the two great games he gave us against Liverpool in the UEFA Cup. They were two fantastic ties and we were probably unfortunate to to go out in that UEFA Cup tie. And they also gave us Henrik Larson. Um, when you actually look back on it, eh, he crammed an awful lot into that season when he was the manager. And it's, we'll be forever thankful for what he did in that season as a manager. Uh, Colin, what's your memories of Wim Janssen? I've got to say, I was um, I was 
delighted to be invited on by the, the Endless Celts boys yesterday to kind of give some reflection on Wim Janssen's time at Celtic Park. And although I was still pretty young during that period, I was I was three when that season started, Kev. Um, so oh. memories are a bit vague from back then, but there was a story that I've got and it's um, it's a bit different to maybe some other people. I was in uh, primary school probably a couple of years just after that, getting right into Celtic round about the time Martin O'Neill takes over, which is a fantastic time to become a sort of full-time Celtic fan. Um, but there was a, a school fete one weekend, Celtic weren't playing, went along, and I picked up this book and it said Scottish Premiership winners 1997-1998, uh, Celtic on the front of it. And I, I've got I've got the book somewhere in the house, but I, I was pulling it up on Amazon last night. If anybody wants to get it, it's only 98 pence on Amazon, so there's only a couple left. Dig in there. It's written by Steve McGill, and it takes through the whole season of the 97-98, about how basically um, Rangers were going for 10 in a row. You've got um, how they sort of stormed into a bit of a lead, and you've got Marcus Negri being sort of the, the sort of unbelievable goal scorer and all that. Um, but you've also got the, the whole idea of Celtic and how they come back into it and the second half of the season. And as a wee guy, I just kept flicking through it and flicking through it. I've read this book now about a hundred times and it just comes right down to the thanks, Robert. Um it just comes down to the kind of the last couple of pages where you've got um Celtic obviously should have won it at Dunfermline the week before. Uh, and then obviously winning it on the last day. And there's a whole chapter on the last day and it sort of breaks it down minute by minute uh, as to how what was happening because there was teams that were fighting for European places, were fighting for relegation and obviously us and them fighting for the title. And It was enough as for me as a wee guy to totally fall in love with football. And at that point, it made me want to go and watch Martin O'Neill's team and... <laughs> Looking at the story there and the foundation that was laid down by Wim Janssen's team, we, we, we speak about how Ronnie Dylas led the foundation for Brendan Rodgers' treble winning team. You could go back and say that Wim Janssen laid the foundation for Martin O'Neill's treble winning team with some of the players that he brought in there. And it was a real exciting introduction to football. And I, I'm going to have to go and buy the book again because... I loved it as a kid and I'm sure I'll love it to read it again. I'm, I think I've lost it when I was moving house and I'm really disappointed in that. But as a wee guy, what a treat. And it's probably the best pound I've ever spent on a Celtic book. A pound on a Celtic book, eh? Uh, Studs Lanigan, incredible atmosphere at Ibrox that day, the League Cup final against Dundee United. It's a kind of magic. It was a great day, Brian. And it's one of those sometimes League Cup victories get, forget, get forgotten, eh? But for me, the League Cup and the two games against Liverpool set a base for that season. Then signing Paul Lambert set the base for that season. Uh, one was part of that. He uh, was just such a humble gentleman who was thrown into a season of chaos, and he handled it perfectly. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the comments about the ages. I think I was 15, um, and I remember uh, um, me and my mum went to some friends, and they were watching it. And I was allowed a wee, a wee shandy to celebrate. Um, my first, my first official drink in front of the family. Um, I don't, I'll not say if it was my first official drink. I'll leave that to the imagination. But <laughs> one of the things we were me answering, and I mentioned it in a group chat the other day, is in terms of the impact he had in our club in just one season, it, it's pretty incredible. Stop the ten, bringing in Larson. I mean. Your legacy is sort of complete at that stage, and as you say, it under the absolute chaos. And um, I suppose there's comparisons can be made to what Angie entered into, but um, yeah, just a by all accounts, an incredible man. And, and um, you, you instantly feel for his family, um, obviously, been ill prior to this, and, and it's just an incredibly sad situation when, when anybody, anybody passes away. Um, I think the Celtic fans, you know, remember him fondly, and again, you. you, you Whenever I think of Larson, I always think of that photo they threw them together. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's kind of by proxy. You always kind of automatically think of uh, a Janssen, so, um, so huge loss. See, see, when you think on it, Kev, Wim was the right man at the right time for Celtic. He had that sort of emotional appeal to Tommy Burns the couple of seasons before, and the way that Scottish football was back then, 
Tommy Burns didn't stand a chance because there, it was too emotional. There was too much sort of love for the club and pain coming because he couldn't deliver the trophies. And OK, he delivered the Scottish Cup and stuff, but when was the right man to come in who didn't feel the pressure of living in Scotland, who didn't feel the pressure of what 10 in a row could have meant for Scottish football? He just came in, played his football, got it, got us playing the Celtic style of football. Not that Tommy Burns didn't, but he just got us playing that style that got us the victories, that got us the points. He was, um, prag- was pragmatic. He was I, a pragmatic manager. Um, and it was it was just the right person at the right time, I think. And you, you kind of sit, sit here and go, maybe in hindsight, that's exactly what was needed last year. Someone who could come in who didn't fully appreciate the pressure of 10 and could have maybe changed the way that we played football last year. I, I would have took pragmatic football last year rather than the football that we were served up, However. truthfully. Um, Martin Bickett... Um, What's the Dundee United? What what what's the Dundee United game in the cup final? Forgot how good Morton Weekhorst was. Morton Weekhorst was utterly fantastic that cup final, and Monty comes in. Mun Janssen's name will be well remembered in Celtic history. Not only did he stop the ten and gave us Henrik, he was a lovely man, and I think that's something that we often forget that Celtic represent certain. It goes right back to Willie Maley. It's, there's a certain there has to be a certain humbleness about a football club, and Wim Janssen got that. My story about Wim Janssen is in Amsterdam 2001, uh, when we went there to play Ajax, the famous Bobby Pettit game, and me and me and my me and my wife were stand, She wasn't my wife at that time. My now wife. We were standing waiting to go in to to the stadium, the, the Amsterdam Arena. And there was a there was a fight broke out in the beer tent to her right hand side before we went through the turnstile, and I think I've actually seen pictures of this. There were Celtic fans going up the stairs into the stadium, and they were singing into the beer tent, and the Ajax fans started lobbing pint tumblers and bottles at the Celtic fans on the stairwell, and the Dutch riot police obviously charged the Celtic fans because that's what Dutch riot police <laughs> actually actually do, and as all bedlam like broke out round about us as we were trying to go through the turnstiles in the stadium, I know. The two elderly gentlemen who were trying to get in, who were trying to get in the turnstiles in front of me were Dr. Joe Vengloss and Wim Janssen were wow. going through the turnstile in front of me as complete and utter bedlam broke out round about us. So they were going in with the Celtic support that day. So that, that, that that's my start. That's that was the closest I ever got to two Celtic managers. That is the closest I've ever been to two Celtic managers as they were going through it, as they were going through a turnstile in front of me. Uh, I did think I had imagined it for years and years because <laughs> I, did, I did have a lunch in one of the bakeries in Amsterdam and I, I, I didn't care what they put in their donuts, but it certainly made the game more enjoyable, even, even, though, it was, even though it was very, very enjoyable anyway. Now, I just want to quickly look back at the Halloween game before we move on to the big, big game tonight. Now, yesterday it was reported that Mohamed Nayang would face a retrospective red card for his horrific challenge on Yosuke Indiguchi. A challenge that Richard Foster says on sports scene was fair and Indiguchi got himself injured for pulling out of the challenge. Uh, Richard Foster, who has the look of a man who should be serving me a 25 quid burger on a roof slate, never mind talking about football, Pundits know his game, I don't think, because he was on Radio Scotland this morning and he was saying he was saying about Hearts that Celtic Park was a hard place to go. So he doesn't even care that we're playing at Tyne Castle tonight. A bit like football. Football wasn't his game either. Um, so I, I made a, a wee quip at the start of the programme about Barry Ferguson's quote that was on the back of a national paper yesterday. So I'm going to ask you, Colin, did Barry Ferguson reveal a lot about himself as a manager by saying that he didn't send out his team to injure Celtic players, then confirm in his same sentence that he did send his team out to injure Celtic players? I think he said a lot about Barry Ferguson's intelligence that he managed to put both of those sentences in the same sentence because that's one of those things where it's like you see the loud part quiet and the quiet part loud, unfortunately, for Barry. Um, but, I mean, are we, are we really surprised? We spoke about this last week. 
we spoke about how we were going to turn into the game and they were going to come out, they were going to have a go at us. They did because they should have scored for the halfway line, according to John Hartson. Um, a 0.01 XG, according to some of our stats pals, but they should have scored it. Um, it's, it's a horrible park. We saw that. The ball was bobbling about. Going into these tackles, what what did what did Mr. Amy McDonald expect? Did they th- think that the two of them were just going to go in studs high and that's just the way football is? Football that's wasn't what, even that football wasn't even that 20-30 years ago. Colin, that's what he wanted. That was his explanation why he thought it was a fair challenge. He says if they went in 50-50, they bounce off each other and that's it. Peter Grant sitting next to him, you can see Peter Grant looking at him as if to go, What is he even on about? It was a, it was such a outrageous take, Brian. It shouldn't have been broadcast. It should never have been broadcast. I think he should never be broadcast. Um, but sadly, that's the, the, the you know some of the, the people in the, the media and some of the people are opinions and the bad things in the world that think that's acceptable. Sadly for me, it seemed the ref thought it was acceptable as well. Um, and that that's that's beyond madness. You know, we're talking about the the boy getting a retrospective red. Well, the ref should be getting the red as well and getting his books because either either he's allowing that to happen, in which case there's an agenda there, or he's too stupid and incompetent to realise it's happening, in which case he's not good enough to referee the game anyway. Um, the most concerning part for me about that game, and about the referee in particular, was actually McGregor's injury. So the challenge on McGregor, some people say it was intentional, some people say it wasn't, irrespective, it was a head knock, and he was down for a couple of minutes before the game got stopped. That is dangerously negligent. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And it's scandalous, and it doesn't matter what colour shirt he's wearing. If a player goes through me a head knock, it should be treated right away. And the fact that the ref, you know, took his time to ground it is a scandal. And it, you know, we talk about the fact that one of my high horse, I got back wound up there, didn't I? Sorry about that. But um, the, the the fact that you know we talk about these things and being dangerous for players and players being protection. The fact you've got pundits endorsing that kind of behaviour. People, you know, so-called experts endorsing that behaviour is is scandalous. And in fact, you've got a, a so-called manager admitting as much as he, he said it to, to do the job, then I don't know, it's, it's a sad, sad state of affairs in Scottish football when that sort of stuff's allowed. And as I say, underpaying uh, just it allows players and referees to think that that stuff's acceptable. And I say, somebody's going to get really dangerously hurt. Um and the fact that we've lost Carl McGregor for, for what could be, you know, a, a period of time, it can be a lot worse. And the tackle on Gucci, how how he's known a broken leg after that is a it's, a hor- it's a horrible challenge. I mean, you're quite, uh, Brian's quite right there, Colm. We've got two aspects here. We've got a pundit on a national telly programme saying it's a fine, it's an OK challenge. And then you've got another thing, you've got Don Robertson for the second time in seven weeks, no seeing a potential leg break challenge on a Celtic player. Poster Coglu's now come out and says your players need protection. Uh, Georgios Giacomakis has now come out and says that the players need protection. It's about time your club came out and actually says it as well. Eh? It is, it is, and- to be honest, that I know Celtic do a lot of things quietly behind the scenes, and we spoke a couple of weeks ago about 
how the performance of Michael Nicholson was because he'd managed to bring in the players so far and we had a couple and we, we kept saying that sometimes you'll just see things going quietly behind the scenes and other times you'll need someone to represent the fan base and to stand up and speak out. Now we said at the time, Ange is the person that has been doing that this season. Ange has done it. What he needs now is for someone to back him up. Someone to come out and say, yeah, my manager's right. And we do need to do that. Now, as, as ridiculous as it was, sending in an eight-page dossier or eight different points on one referee because you get your first red card in two years, it's, it should have opened the door for every club in Scotland to go and do that. Because there is a terrible, terrible lack of professionalism in our refereeing in Scotland. Our referees are shocking. We can speak about the pundits being shocking as well. But the referees are at the worst level that I can ever think in the whole time that I've watched Scottish football. And that goes back to the point where you used to have Hugh Dallas refereeing Scottish football. You could tell he had a bit of a bias. And even that standard was better than what we're seeing right now. We can't talk about Celtic and Rangers and all these other teams progressing in Europe. And we can't talk about the Scottish League being undervalued in terms of a television deal. When you look at the product that's put out there week after week, we're paying part-time referees to do a full-time job. Now, no wonder they're nowhere near the standard that they need to be. These guys are working 9-5 and then going and covering that game. There has to be a professional level of refereeing brought in in Scottish football where these guys do maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on the training park, doing scenarios like that week in, week out. Look at the video reviews and say, who got that wrong, who got it right? And then when it comes to actually playing the games on the Wednesday and Saturday, maybe they'll actually see the tackles that were actually yellow cards, were actually red cards. And it's the only way that we'll improve the standard of Scottish football is if we improve the refereeing system, we then look into VAR, and then in terms of pundits, we'd be as well scratching the basis and starting again with them because they're all dreadful. There's not a good one in Scottish football, perhaps with the exception of Chris Sutton, and we don't even see him because he's too busy down south nowadays. Michael Stewart seems to have disappeared as well uh, recently. Jim Hannaway does come in and says, at least our Peter called it as a straight ledge on the highlight, straight red on the highlight show. Spot on. He did actually. He was quite. He was. He was quite amusing. He says, "Well, tackling was part of my game, but that's a straight red." <laughs> that, that, that's yeah. what he did say. Uh, Colin, I completely agree with you there. The referees are absolutely shocking, and I didn't want. I didn't want this to turn into a referee. Fest. Uh, we've had a rant about it and we'll kind of move on. We'll move on, Colin. And I kind of, you, go, you go near a wee, wee bit of soap, folks. There. That was great. I, I, loved, that. I, I, I loved that. I loved that. That was brilliant. That I, was I, like... Do you know, I, I, I see it all the time. I mean, you've seen, uh, it wasn't just uh, if you watch the Scottish Cup weekend there, I don't know if you've seen the Hearts Ocking Lick game, but uh, mm. Boyce was about two yards onside when he scored and it was ruled out and there was a boy that Superman punched the ball and got away with it. It's not just happening in our games. It's not just happening in their games. It's coming across the whole of Scottish football and it's embarrassing. It's utterly embarrassing. There's a team that says we should be part of Europeans elite. How can you say, well, come and watch us play St Mirren on the the Saturday and watch a guy that doesn't know he's offsides for his free kicks? It's, It's dreadful. We've got to increase the game and the level as a whole That'll bring through better players and it'll attract more people to Scottish football. Paradise 63, it's pointless paying bias refs more money. Well, <laughs> See, I, I, I get this question as well. And I, I promise this will be the last one I make, right? We've got a, a, a linesman who is an MP and is an MSP and is a linesman and also has a job as a consultant. Now, his third most important job is as a referee. He runs part of his, his party up north and he's involved down south. Not no, according to Jacob Reese Moggy, does he? He doesn't ah, well, according whatever, to he's, he's irrelevant to him. But imagine yeah, having he, a job that pays you £700 per appearance and that's your third most important job. I mean, I, I, we, don't need, we don't need to pay the guys more. We just need it so that when you look at it, if they have a terrible performance, they're dropped. And if they're dropped, they don't earn anything that week. See these guys that are dropped? They don't care. They've got a 95 that pays them 30, 40 grand a year. They're picking that up as pocket money. We need the responsibility to fall back onto the referees. 
Right, we need to save this podcast, boys, because I've mentioned J- Jacob Rees-Mogg on a Celtic podcast, and I, I need to actually try and save this. Eh? Uh, so, on to Not The Ten O'Clock News, Colin, to cheer you up on Not The Ten O'Clock News, let's play some, just picture in the background, like the, the end of the Incredible Hulk, that orchestral music and stuff like that. Your mate, your pal, your great white hope, Leo Connor, is signed for Tranmere Rovers. Yep. How do you feel? I thought you were meant to be picking me up here, Kev. Um, <laughs> well, he didn't bring you back up in a couple of minutes. Oh, good. Do you know what? Good luck to him. Um, he's had a fantastic uh, season down at Tranmere. He's definitely been one of those players that's uh, he's found the right kind of fit a club for himself at the minute. I'm surprised that he didn't get more chances, especially during pre-season, but you don't really know what goes on behind uh, closed doors. He's still only 21. He's still... Uh, kind of making his way through the Irish national team as well. He'll probably be one that goes on to have a, a better career probably down south than what he will have up. We spoke last week about guys like um, Daryl, 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 what's his name? Played right back for us. A couple of seasons ago, young boy came through Jimmy Johnson Academy. Oh, it will come, it will come to us. It will come, Fisher. Daryl Fisher. Daryl Fisher, sorry. Daryl Fisher. And how he's had a fantastic career down south and really couldn't make it through up here. There's certain people that just suit kind of down there. And um, look, we picked up O'Connor, we picked up Frimpong at the same time. The, the big hope was that O'Connor would be the one that broke through first. It didn't seem to go that way, but at least we made a bit of money out of the two of them. Definitely. Paddy Laverty. Kev, that tune is called The Lonely Man. That Colin was a lonely man on, on the WhatsApp group shouting <laughs> for Leo O'Connor. I can, I can confirm that anyway. Uh, Brian, Adam Montgomery, looks like he's going to go on loan to Kilmarnock. My first question is, is what has he done in this football club to be made to go and pay, play with Kyle Lafferty and Derek McInnes? <laughs> <laughs> he's also up to this money in, wanting to play with Big Lafferty. Um, I think it's a good move for him, actually. I think that, um, you know, Kilmarnock should be the, I mean, they've not been great, but they should be the dominating team in that league. So in theory, Montgomery playing in that position of dominance should kind of echo in a smaller scale his experiences at Celtic. I think it's, it bodes well that uh, Paul Scott was trying to get a lot of these guys out and loan in game time because it doesn't feel to me like some players get sent out and loan and you know they're going to disappear, like Lee O'Connor, like Luke O'Connell, sorry Colin, but it feels like um, they're actually getting sent out with a purpose. They're getting sent out to really get game times in feature moving forward. So I think he's a, I think he's a good player. I really like him. I, I don't think he's ever really let himself down. Um, but I do think he's at the age where he has to play. So I think it's going to be an all-round uh, good move. Um, I've seen the, the young guy as well for the Colts who's went to Airdrie. Mm-hmm. Brody Patterson. Aye. Again, again, what has he done to deserve to get sent to Airdrie? No, I know. Maybe he's talking him up a wee bit, bringing him down to his size. But I think uh, it, it bodes well that we're actually, we seem to be having an eye on the coach and, and looking at you know these guys. He, he, you feel like he's specifically picking the guys he thinks can feature moving forward to get game time. So it would be really interesting to, to see how it gets on, but... Fair play to him. I hope he does really well, and uh, I hope he gives a big laugh at me. A, a good doing and training as well. <laughs> Colin, I just feel for Adam Montgomery. It's a move to progress him. It's no a move to actually put him in the short window for uh, to be punted in the summer, doesn't it? No, it's definitely to get him some game time, and I think it's the right move. Kilmarnock are sort of challenging for promotion in the the championship. You want to be giving them to a team that are trying to win every single week instead of maybe a team that's fighting relegation. I'd heard earlier on that maybe some of our younger players will be making the move down to St Johnston before the window closes and I'm not 100% certain on that because I don't really fancy giving our guys the the experience having to battle relegation, especially when you're wanting to maybe throw them back into the the first team. So um, I think that's the right move. I think the the discussion was between Nair and our broth and I'm sure he'll miss the opportunity to be coached under Dick Campbell, which seems to be a fantastic experience for all those involved. But um, the move down to Kilmarnock is probably closer to home for him. And uh, as I said, it's a team that's wanting to win every single game. So good luck to him. Was that the same Dick Campbell who also says on BBC Scotland that uh, the guys at our broth would have them in the tra- tra- trenches as he's fighting the Japanese? <laughs> Which he is that what he 
that's what he says the day after Celtic signed the three Japanese guys. So I, I'm no, I'm for me, I'm not taking the cuddly aspect of Dick Campbell. There was serious under racial undertones, and for me, in that comment, what he actually says live on the radio. So I, I'm no, I'm no, I'm no big on the I, Dick I've Campbell. Got, I've got to say, Kev, I wasn't aware of that, but I mean, um, it, what you've seen from these players this season, and I know one of the boys because he's a local Greenock boy. What they've managed to do for that team's unbelievable, but as you said, unfortunately, some people have sides of them that they probably don't want to air too much. Definitely. Odd Bob, this is one for us lads. Rather Jacob Rees-Mogg get a mention than Brendan Rogers for a change. Odd Bob comes in and pulls us up every week for keep on talking about Brendan Rogers. So there you go, there you go, Odd Bob. Uh, let's, let's have a wee look. Uh, Uruguay's been linked to a move to Belgium and Italy rather than Dundee now. That's a, that'll be a decent move for them. It's a bit more sexier than Kilmarnock and Dundee and Airdrie. In a way, gone to Verona. Or uh, what's the team Jack Henry's old team? Was it Offset? Just, just end. He's linked with them. And Barkas. We seem to have priced him out a move to Sheffield United. Brian, for the sake of Barkas, career, he needs to move on, eh? Aye, definitely, he needs to go. Um, again, I understand it's a bit of haggling that, that seems to have went awry. Um, but, yeah, he has to go. It's actually, it'll be interesting to see over the next few days, you know, Barkas goes, Paul and Golly goes, Ayeti, Zorro. If these guys all go, we've probably done very well in this transfer window because I think we would actually have um, brung in more than we've let out, despite the fact we've signed five players. So, you know, you can see that the books are still going to get balanced, I think. But yeah, for the sake of his career, um, Uruguay's an interesting one. Because the improvement in him from when he started in pre-season to the game against Betis was, was really tangible. He, he looked a lot better. So it'd be interesting to see if he's the same as Montgomery and that he's getting sent out to come back and be a part of the team. Um, again, his, his age benefits him. And I think the, the Belgian leagues are, the Italian leagues are also better standards than, than playing at Dundee. Um, so again, good, good, good move for him as well. But um, it'd be interesting to see who else goes, and I, I suspect it probably will be, you know, kind of loan to buys. Uh, that seems to be, I think that was Barkas's, wasn't it? That was going to want the end of the season and they'd have two and a half million buyout. But I think said he wanted Sheffield to pay his full wages or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for his career, I mean, listen, I've slated him. I keep calling him hologram hands. Um, you know, I don't, I, but. He's obviously, I want the guy to have a good career, and, and, but he does have to move. It's just no work for him. I'm starting to feel really sorry for him. I mean, we've got Brian saying that he's got hologram cams, so he can't catch a ball. We've got him going down to Sheffield United on the train, taking a picture of himself, saying that he was on the move, and then the deal gets done, so now he can't catch a break. What, what can he catch? I mean, he's pretty... Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, I, I really, I do, I still, I feel sorry for him. One of the biggest things, though, that came out of that is the fact that he's on 20 grand a week wages, I which know. is... A major concern for me that suggests that we do have to do something to move him on. See if he was down in Sheffield and there was a deal to be done there. Surely you get it over the line. I mean, I know we're the sort of chief master negotiators arguing over the last penny and stuff like that, but for a guy that's not going to feature and your fourth choice goalkeeper, surely a deal could have been done there. But then Colin to actually play. What age is he? He's twenty-seven. So mm-hmm. he is. He is still quite young for a goalkeeper. He's probably on the largest contract that he'll ever get in his career. So by the time that contract runs out, he's still going to be quite young for a goalkeeper. True. So so I don't know. I don't know the mentality of of Barkas. It might be that he just wants to play football, or it could be that he's going to sit there and go, I'm just going to sit here and let my contract run out because I'm on an extremely good contract that I'm not going to get anywhere else in football. Bobo Baldy Mark too. It could yeah, well be. Yes, that if that's that's his thinking then, you know, we the ones giving the contract. You know, we're the ones that money. And so, you know, you can't Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As much as it's frustrating for fans, you can't blame a guy either. If he does send it out, it's frustrating because we, we made the, the bad decision to, to spend that amount of money, so... It's it's it's, it's, see when you think on it, twenty grand a week. What could you have got in, in terms of maybe a, a loan player to cover some of these injuries and stuff like that? If you were able to shift that twenty grand a week out, I mean that's roughly what we were meant to have been paying for. Um, not if second time round, but the first time round, Elanusi's wages was roughly about twenty grand. The second time round, you ended up paying quite a bit more. But um, I mean, you just wonder who the kind of maybe player out there that you could have brought in, especially with these injuries mounting up. To get that twenty grand off the wage bill and bring someone else in, it would. I just, I don't see how we couldn't have just got this done. I know we're going to have to take a loss on it at the end of the day, but if it's over a couple of hundred grand or whatever it is in terms of his final transfer fee, in the long term, surely it's a better deal for Celtic just to let him go. Uh, you would think that eh? the buckled fair becomes in Belgium or the scheme that must take an age to decide. To to decide. Um, we mentioned you mentioned goalkeepers, and we're we're going to be facing a goalkeeper tonight. Which for me, there's a lot of revisionism going on about that we shouldn't have let him go. Um, there are reasons why we let him go, and there is because one we fought Fraser Foster, and it's not Craig, it's not Craig Gordon's fault that he left and we ended up with Barkas. It's the folk that signed Barkas, not that Craig Gordon actually left. Because if we would have ended up with Fraser Foster as a club thought, like, then we wouldn't be having this question of whether we should have let Craig Gordon go. It was just the fact that Gordon went, had a good season, and we had three goalkeepers who didn't show up for the whole season. So I think there's a lot of revisionism regarding Craig Gordon, but he's a fantastic goalkeeper. And as I sit here at this moment, thinking about tonight's game, there's only two reasons I can see there's dropping points. One reason is missed chances, and the second reason is Craig Gordon having a game of his life, which he did have at the first game at the start of the season, Brian, as well, against us. Another another train of thought going into this game is we, is we need to match up Hearts' physicality. It seems like the kicking that we got off Alawa sort of spooked quite a lot of the support. My thought is, is this, and my thought's always been the same, just go out there and beat them playing pure, beautiful, inventive football. Just go out there and spank them about the place playing football. I, I yeah. don't care about. I don't care about mar- matching their physicality. I just want to play them off the park. Ah, uh, you know, if you play the way we're playing, it doesn't matter. I mean, look, some of the best teams in the world. I mean, Man, man City are a physical team. I know some of good as Man City, but they just beat people by playing football, and you can do that. You'd want to be a hammer throw that's that's sent out to injure people. What I would say was, you know, I don't think we're quite as lightweight as as it's made out at times. You know, I think. Um, you know, depending on who we play tonight, but, you know, Eton middle of the park, Giamakis up front, big CCV at the back. You know, hardly big boys, so if they need to put it about, they can. You know, James McCarthy had a good bit of dig coming off the, the bench as well, I think. You know, Ralston's going to play, but I like Ralston for, for his aggression as well. So uh, the narrative that we're, we're kind of physically weak, I think, is probably false. I think it's just the fact that we maybe because we're not flying into these tackles or doing these things, it, the perception is we're not up for the fight, but I don't buy into that at all. You, you saw the reaction for the players when um, Idiguchi got absolutely floored against Alwa. You know, they, they were right over, they were getting in uh, the boy's face. So I, I, I think we'll be physically good enough. And I think more importantly than that, regardless of who we play tonight, we've got... so the, the thing, the, the concern tonight is, I agree with you about the missed chances, I've been hurting on about it, I think it is something that's an annoying trend for as dominant as we're being, but we're not quite battering teams the way we should. In terms of the injuries, also missing key players, but the players that are going to come in, they're still better than eight hearts have got. You know, so I, I don't think we need to... It's going to be a hard game tonight, but I'm, I'm confident if we play to our strengths, I don't see any any real reason we should uh, we should be dropping points tonight. I think it's not going to be a canter, no game is, but I think we've got, we've got more than enough in the, the squad now Maybe this would have been a couple of months ago. It might be more a concern, but we've got we've got enough quality in there to, to do it. And um, I've got to say, I fancy big big G Marcus to, to to take his chance. I know he's a bit of criticism, but I actually think 
he he will thrive in this kind of game. He looks like he's up for the fight. He looks like he wants to. There you go. I gave you David, um, and I think he's he, he might thrive under that challenge actually because I really enjoyed his post match. I think he spoke well and he seemed to have the bit between his teeth. So so we'll see how it goes on. I, I think. Kev, sorry. I think one of the biggest things that Celtic have to watch out this afternoon, uh, this evening, is not to fall into that trap, because we we do have the players to be able to outplay Hearts on the park. I mean, if you look at the way that we outplayed Hibs in the first forty-five minutes at Celtic Park last week, I mean that was frightening to watch at times the pace and the strength coming from the team. But if we do fall into the trap of Hearts wanting to slow the game down to kind of give the odd foul here and there and it just becomes a sloppy game, then it takes it back to me to that second half against Alloa on uh, Saturday where we lost our way in that game and we gave up on what was working for us. We were getting the ball wide, we were putting some great crosses in, a great ball from Scales and uh, Big Gigi puts it away. In the second half, we barely created any chances because it was so bogged down. We, we can't allow that to happen. We have to play our football. And if they want to try and do that, then let them do it. They'll be the ones that, felt, that fall out of the game because of it. We can't let them dominate that. Because if we do, I'll put it down here now, we'll walk away from this game tonight with at least another injury. Oh, I didn't like that prediction, Colin. Um, Strange love the doctor. All good teams try to play football at... at is that because it's the name of the sport? It's not gladiator. <laughs> well, contenders ready. If you listen to the Scottish football pundits, you think it is actually gladiator uh, uh, at times. For me tonight, Postacoglu's got two choices to make. He's got one in the midfield and one in the centre-forward position. Um, we've started talking about the centre-forward position, so we'll stay there. So, who plays through the, the, the middle tonight for you, Brian? Is it Yakimakis or is it Leo Abada? It's Yakimakis for me. I think that, um, you know, Latin home and Jota plays as well, but get service into the box. You're going to need to rely on an actual striker. Abada can play there, and I actually like him there. I've seen a few times I think he's probably better through the middle than it wide. But I, I do think he. So, Yakimakis. He might not look like the most graceful player. He didn't have the greatest game against Salo, but I, I think he, he's going to be a bit of a poacher. And I think Abada can snatch at chances at times. So for me, um, I would play him. And I just think he gives a different dimension to the team. He's something, if you need to lump balls into the box, you can. Um, I think he, he'll match up well against Hart's back line. Because I will think that I think we'll slightly adjust. You know, I, in terms of midfield, I think Riley will play. I think you look at it sort of balls through the channels and allow the wingers to put crosses in for for Marcus. So for me, he's the one that starts. He's, he's striker and from his perspective as well, if you're post the Coglu and you bench him tonight when he's the only fit striker, what does that do for his confidence? It, it, I think I mean if I was you Marcus, I'd be furious. So I, I think obviously post Coglu is quite put the team first, but in terms of man management, I think you Marcus starts. Barry Boy 1888 says we are worried about going into a game with a two and a half million pound Eredivisie top goal scorer and a high related 1.5 million pound midfield he's talking about O'Reilly there which we'll get on to guys that are far superior to anyone hearts have no excuses we need to get the three points tonight I think whatever the starting 11, 11 is tonight is good enough to actually get the three points at Tynecastle. But Barry Boy makes a makes a point there, Colin, eh? Why are we worried about a guy who was a top goal scorer in the area division last season? I know, it's when you look at it on paper, it, you, you really shouldn't be worried. Um, but I don't think he's done a lot for us yet to kind of say that, do you know what, we're comfortable with him coming in and playing football and playing up front for us because... That goal he scored on Saturday was it was a great finish. It was a great striker's finish. Getting across his man and putting it right in the top corner. But then two minutes later, he's through one-on-one with the goalkeeper. You could see he's been held back. Instead of maybe the simple pass to Maeda to put it into 2 nothing, or even just trying to put it to the other side of the goalkeeper because he gave him half of the goal to aim it at, he tries to dink it over him. and You just think, look, do you know what? It, it, he's trying. Sometimes it feels as if he's trying too hard. I think if he'd scored that second goal against Alloa, he could have probably went on and get three or four. 
I think he's a very confident player when he's up and running, but it's just getting him to that. And as you said, Brian, in the, the post-match, he was very downbeat about his first half of the season because of injuries, because of things like that. But I think when you see him on the park, when he's sort of buzzing about, the sort of performances he's had when he's come off the bench, when he's started at times as well, it's just one of those things where if you give him a bit of a run, and to be honest, he's probably going to be starting the Rangers game, so there's no way you can drop him tonight. If he gets a goal tonight, he gets the goal this week, get a goal at the weekend, maybe you'll see a totally different side to him, and he'll maybe try and use this as his sort of way to prove the doubters wrong, that he can play up front. I've been screaming out for Celtic to have a second goal scorer who can even chip in with 10 to 15 goals a season because we've always got one that's going to score 20 to 30, but we need that second striker and it might just be him because he's a different option to everything that we've got up front. He has a different option. Terrace Pat, the LA Rams fan who done, who, who done well at the weekend there for all you yeah, NFL, yep. watcher, NFL watchers. Jet was the best gladiator. That's one for us 80s, 80s kids there. Um, Paradise 63 would put a bad up front. And David Kelly, and I'm going to bring this question to you, Brian. If Yakamakis doesn't play with three strikers injured, then he is finished at Celtic. He has to play. Is that too early? Is that a too early shout? Or does it actually show? Does it actually, if he doesn't play tonight, does it actually say something about how Poster Coggle rates him? Yeah, and that's that's kind of the, the, the point I was making. I mean, if you're the only fit striker at club and you don't play, and a winger plays up front, then you've got you know another winger injured, another winger injured, and one just coming back from injury. Your confidence is going to go, and I think he'd be thinking, "I'm not fit for this." Um, but, you know, given the fact Postacoglu has been quite positive when he spoke about him, I think um, the rumours that the team suggested Postacoglu sort of really reached out to him to get to get him to the club. So I, I think he's, he's he's going to show... I think he's going to come good, I really do. I know people have been kind of questioning and stuff like that, but, you know, regarding the, the second goal Colin was talking about, he, did Maeda give him a shout? You know, did they, did, did they even realise anything was next to him? Maybe he should have been more aware. He's not played a lot. Probably not as sharp as he could be, so there's as many criticisms as there is excuses for him as well. And I think that with two goals and three starts, and should have had a third goal when he missed the penalty, which he, he brought up, so it obviously annoys him still. So I, I think there's more to come from him, but yeah, David's spot on. I think if he doesn't play tonight, that's you're probably going to see he's not with the faith of the manager, in which case he's not going to feature much. But as Colin rightly said, I, I think he's, he's going to play against Rangers, and I think you need. You need to play him tonight and give him these games to, to, to get his confidence up. And if he gets a couple of goals tonight, you know, you may, is it going to change people's opinion on him? Of course it will. Goals, goals are what makes strikers. So, so I, I back the big fella and think he's going to come good. Pablo67, hope uh, Gigi proves himself tonight. Michael Redman, big Gigi through the middle. And David C comes in on his defence. He just needs a run of games. Give the guy a chance. That, that's what, we are willing to give the guy a chance, and we are we are willing to do that. We've spoke about him in the central position, Sean F. My concern tonight is not only taking the chances, but also taking them, like Kev said, against Alawa. We didn't really create much, but clear cut chances, and it's been the same in some of the recent games as well. Who's who's alongside Jakimakis tonight? Who's on the wings? Because it's up to them to create and take chances as well. Yeah, for me, it's Jota and Abada. Okay. I would be Jonathan Forrest. To be honest, just I like I like Forrest's experience going into Tynecastle, and um, I, I do think you can rely on Forrest. I think a bad still a bit hot and cold. As much as I like a bad, which I do, I still a bit hot and cold. And I think given that we have the players out, I think Forrest just gives a little bit of extra experience. But either way, I, mean, I think Jota, you've got to start him. Mm-hmm. And then I think whether it's a bad or Forrest, I think. Either one will got to do a job, but for me, it would be Forrest. I think what you've got to look at as well is in a game like this, it can be tight, and you do need some players to come off the bench and change the game. And as it stands, if you start with Forrest, I don't really see a badder being that impact player that comes on and sort of gets himself into a game within 20 minutes. Whereas I think Forrest has the ability to do that um, because of his experience that he's got. The other thing is there as well, though, with the sort of amount of injuries we've picked up at the minute, who else is that person that you can turn to? 
we don't really have anybody else. Forrest's probably going to be the one on the bench tonight that you go, he's the guy. I'd like to see us bring up Joey Dawson again. And I know it's a big one to throw him in at Time Castle. And I'm not saying start him, but it's just another option off the bench. And I, it's it's difficult to kind of rate him because he's played the, the, the B team at Lowland League. He played that game against St Johnston as well. But we do need another option off the bench tonight. We need somebody that we can say, right, we've got Forrest and we've got this guy. And at the minute, we don't because of the amount of injuries we've picked up. It could be Mikey Johnson as well, but he's not really a guy that plays through the middle. Karamoko Dembele, I still think, is a couple of weeks away from being back in amongst the squad. So we've got to have another attacking option on the bench. We can't just kind of say, right, well, it's not working, so throw James McCarthy on. Alan Duncan calling goes for the opposite for what you've just suggested there. I think Forrest has to start with Abada on the bench because Gigi probably won't play 90 minutes, so we need Abada to replace him later on. The reason I'm going to agree with Brian calling is because uh, Callum McGregor's not there mm-hmm. and James Forrest comes in purely for experience reasons and that's how he starts the game going to go, going to time castle and that was when I was writing down my team I've went for Forrest and Yota I haven't got a clue who's going to play through the middle I've actually just got a question mark there eh? but Alan Duncan does actually make that point Brian that Abada is an option coming off the bench as well but I really do feel that Forrest experience has to start the game with Callum McGregor being missing yeah that, that, that was my thinking as well um, do you think who's going to captain tonight? Is it is Joe Hart vice captain? Yeah. Oh, well, I'd say Beaton probably if Beaton starts at centre mid. Well, here we go. We may as well get into the midfield situation. <laughs> now you've actually brung it up, eh? Um, we have when we were looking at the start of after this after the winter break, it looked like we had quite a few options <laughs> in the midfield. After one week, we are, we're, we're now struggling for options in the midfield. Tonight we've lost Callum McGregor, our captain, eh, which is a massive, massive loss. And we're looking to see who can replace him in the in the team. Nobody can replace him skill set. We've already said that he can play any of the three positions in the midfield. Nobody can replace his skill set. But somebody can replace his experience. And to replace his experience, you're looking at McCarthy or Beaton. And for once in my life, I'm going to shout for near Beaton to start a Celtic game tonight. <laughs> because Nero. Nero, I'm going to shout for Nero to start a game tonight because I think he is the most natural replacement for Callum McGregor experience-wise that we can get in the middle of the park to sit at the number six position. Colin? Would you put uh, Nero's start for you? Nero's in my squad when I was uh, picking a, an 11 for tonight and I think Andrew probably turned to him as well. Um, it, like, so it's all going to depend on who plays in that Hearts midfield tonight, um, who they're going to stick in there, whether they're going to stick Cammy Devlin alongside maybe Peter Harren, who's sort of been the pairing whilst the uh, Beningame has been out, who has been one of the players of the season in Scotland, to be fair, Beningame. Um If you've got uh, Beningame and Devlin, they're two kind of creative and strong players. You're going to need Beaton to come in there and protect your back four. If they're playing what they played on Saturday, which I don't think they will, um, they had sort of eight defenders on the park at one point with Andy Halliday sort of playing up front. I, I, it was quite a weird formation. Um, you might get away with playing someone like James McCarthy with his experience, but I, I still don't think he's up to speed. I know you said, Brian, that he was kind of putting himself about on Saturday, but I still don't think he's there. I still think he's someone that's going to be 30 minutes here, 45 minutes there, just to kind of get back up to it. It might even be a better option to play him on Saturday against Dundee United than this game on Wednesday night to just to kind of keep the squad fit. Beaton, he's got the experience. Obviously, he's, he's been known to make an odd mistake or two, which sort of doesn't help him. But as you say, Kev, it's like he's been there, he's done that, he's got a T-shirt surely he can put in a 90 minutes for us tonight. You would think you would, you would think he would be able to. I think he's the natural replacement. When I started, when my thoughts turned to this game, I was going, well, Beaton's going to play in that middle of the park. Brian, and the next person I thought of was Atati's going to play in the middle mm-hmm. of the park as well. Uh, do you think that Postacoglu will turn to Atati tonight as well after his very impressive debut against Hibs last week? Oh, 100%, yeah. Atati's going to start... 
Um, I'm really excited to see tonight how he performs because I know there's been a bit of discussion about how good he actually was, but I thought he was excellent. I thought he was really, really good. Um, but he played against Tibbs, so I'm looking forward to see the community play that tonight. I suspect he'll probably play the 10 role because I think he can do that. Um, and I think for me to be beat on as well, I just think I need to go on McCarthy. I, I'm those down on him with some. I, I, I think he's still got a party play, but I don't think he can go the full 90 minutes yet. Um, so I, it'll be beat on Hatati and Riley. I think he starts as well. And again, he's another guy I'm really excited about. Obviously, we've done our usual YouTube research and, and watched the retirements and stuff. And uh, Al Morrison gave some really good feedback on him as well. So he's a player I'm really excited to see. And I think he actually fits the dynamic really nicely as this sort of box to box. And again, so for experience, you beat on. O'Reilly is sort of playmaker, Hitachi is a 10. And then your usual back four. I don't see him changing that. So it'll be Hart, Juranovic, CCB, Starfield, and then Taylor. Um, and, and, we, and it's, if we assume, say, Martin, Jota, Forrest and Gigi up front, I still think that's a strong team. Um, and I, I think it's a team that I'm really excited to watch playing. And it's, as sad as it is that McGregor's injured, and I absolutely love McGregor, so I'm gutted, but this is a real opportunity for somebody to come in and take that place because he's undroppable, McGregor. Um, so if you're one of those midfielders, you go, right, OK, here's my chance. I've got the chance to be that guy, that key midfielder for the next bunch of games. And if somebody comes in and shows that mentality, that's great for Celtic because when Mourinho is back fit, it gives even more competition for places. So I can't wait for the night, actually. Really look forward to it. The one thing I'm looking forward to seeing for Riley is, and it's what came up in his, his dossier when everybody puts the, the kind of clips of him together, is his set-piece delivery. Because I think that's something that we've missed all season. We've not really had someone that we can rely on to whip a good ball in from a free kick or a corner. And by all accounts, this boy seems to put a decent delivery in. So um, it'll be interesting to see because I think Hearts will give you plenty of fouls tonight. There'll be plenty of nippy tackles around the ankle area. Um, so it'll be a case of getting a ball in. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Starfelt and CCV get a couple of chances on goal just from free kicks and corners. So we've got to play to our strengths. We have to kind of very good centre-halves in the air and CCV and Starfelt. If you're playing Ralston, he's another person who's a, a strong threat in the air as well. So, it be interesting to see. I, I don't know about you guys, but see when it comes to Celtic getting a free kick this season, I have no idea who's over it. Because in Turnbull's not in the park, it just seems to be anybody that fancies a goal. Juranovic just took a couple for the edge of the box as well, eh? Um, eh? And it doesn't seem to be a natural a natural order or a natural person on the park. He just said, I'll have a go this time. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a bang. Big beat-ons had a couple as well <laughs> uh, over the season. You and Boy Martin beat on Atati and O'Reilly in, in the midfield for me tonight. Alan Robertson, keep changing my mind whether we should start O'Reilly in the midfield. Is it a risk? Colin, is it a risk um, for O'Reilly to come into this game? You look at the three players that are vying for the one other position in the midfield. It's Sorrell, McCarthy and O'Reilly. When you break it down, that's saying that Beaton and Atati are actually starting. Because I think mm -hmm. they two will definitely start. So you've got those three vying for the Tom Rogic space, in my opinion. That is, so O'Reilly mm -hmm. is the more natural fit when you see what options Ange Postacoglu has available. Unless... He brings in McCarthy and Atati does, a, does a, the Tom Rogic role. But is it a risk for O'Reilly to come into Scottish football uh, in, I mean, in, in this game and, of course and, it is. and amuse himself? Uh, of course it is. Every, every game that you could potentially throw him into is a, a potential risk and it's probably even more of a risk because you're sitting going, well, if he does pick up an injury, who comes in after that? And the options aren't great. So... It's a risk. It's probably one we're going to need to take because of the options that's round about us. Um, and, I, I mean, Ange has been very coy with uh, what he's saying with the, the likes of the injury to Cal McGregor and to, to Idiguchi as well as to what their timescales will be for them coming back. I mean, it, it would be great if it was a 60,000 under the, the parkhead lights and it all goes dark. And the Rey Mysterio theme tune comes out, and out comes Callum McGregor with a mask on, ready to play the 90 minutes. But I, we just kind of see it happening at the minute. I, I hope he's back fit soon, but as it stands, 
this is the three that you've got and this is the three we're going to need to rely on, not just for tonight, but for Saturday and then for Wednesday as well. We're going to, we're going to need to try and wrap them up in bubble wrap as much as possible, but also get the three points done as, as quick as possible too. It is, we need to get three points. Uh, Monty comes in, I'll just bring him up there. Celtic need to concentrate on playing their football tonight and not get involved in the over-physical nonsense. Play our football, score the goals and teach them a footballing lesson. 3-1 to Celtic, Monty's actually going for there. If you take Monty's uh, will and want on board there, you play O'Reilly, don't you, Brian? Yeah, because it's because it suits us better than the options that are actually available. Yeah, absolutely. I just I never like so. There's two ways to look at it from Angie's perspective. I think he's he's definitely going to start him. I mean, Kyogo is basically just off a flight and equipment against Hearts. Remember at the start of the season. So so, so with Starfield, Starfield yeah. haven't they actually? He's no he's no he's no scared to to, to put players straight in, and you know. Again, as we've discussed, I think the dynamic suits him. Also, by the look of it, um, I really liked the, the interviews with O'Reilly and the presser. He was all right at the press right away as well. And I think he's got a real good attitude. And that's something that, that Post Cogler seems to really like in a player. So I get Colin's point about if he gets injured, what do you do? But if you go down that rabbit hole, then you don't want to play anybody. And you're not doing Cockrell Fibbers. I think he, he's got to start. And, and I, I tell you what, as well. This is with the measure of a player. See if, you, if your first game is at Tynecastle, when you know your captain's injured and you're up against the wall, and you go there and you play well, that sets him off in a, in a great stead. So I think for guys like him and Gigi, there's a real upside here to playing tonight because they go in there against that. And yes, we should beat them, but it's still a hard fixture. Tynecastle always isn't hard to be good this season. So him and Gigi's play well, that sets us up really well for the rest of the season. Very too, and. Um, so yeah, again, just to echo, I, I can't wait. I'm on the match coverage tonight, actually, with, with Paul Moore, I think, so um, I'm already excited about it. I've not got any team meeting today, that's why I've got my, my second. <laughs> so, see, see, when you look at it, Kev, first game of the season, that team that started on the first day, and you compare it to a team that we can potentially put out there so tonight, is it's night and day. If we play the spirit that we played on the first day of the season at Tynecastle, and you get the decisions that you should have got with the players that we can play, then we should be able to come away with the three points tonight. It all comes down to the spirit of the team and how well that we play. Never mind hearts, is what we do on the part tonight. Definitely. Go on, Colin. You've been on fire today, Colin. No, this is, this, you've been brilliant today. Come on, on. No risk at an O'Reilly, O'Reilly tonight. Hearts know nothing about him. Aye, for me, I want to be sitting at 10 o'clock with Scottish football going, going to O'Reilly. Who are you, pal? Where did you come from? I really, I really want that to actually have. Colin got that joke. Thank you. Colin got that joke. Uh, well, I'm going to bring up the last comment just before, just before we sign off. And it's a really good one from Martin O'Neill. Maybe it's the right Martin O'Neill. I don't know. Maybe it is. Martin O'Neill on, on YouTube. When the club are looking at pre-season opponents for next year, it'd be nice to see them play Feyenoord as a tribute to win and there'd be a decent test for the boys. I think it would be brilliant to play to play Feyenoord and, and tribute to Wim Janssen for what he actually contributed to both clubs. As Brian says he's on he's on the he's on the, the match day tonight with Laura and Paul and it's sure to be bright, better than Sky's coverage anyway. Uh, so I just want to thank you all for watching and listening. You really are all the best. The comments have been fantastic today. It's been great fun. Now and on a bit of a serious note, we'll all end on a bit of a serious note. Um, at the game tonight, the crowd have been asked on the 13th minute to have a minute of applause for 13-year-old Devin Gordon, who, tra- who tragically last week took his own, own life. Uh, both clubs tonight will wear the FC United to prevent suicide jerseys in the warm-up. Now, we're on the middle of a pandemic and... The pandemic's been tough, really, really tough on youngsters. So anybody that's listening, anybody that's watching, if you're a mum, a dad, a brother, sister, auntie, uncle, cousin, godfather, godmother, friend, or even just a next-door neighbour to a young person, just please, please check on them. Any young person that that any young person that you love or you've got any involvement in, just please check in on them and just tell them that you're actually there if they ever need to speak to you. So... 
Brian, and that'll see you all later. Be kind to each other and hail, hail, lads. phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details as the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.